1: Women's running stories. Running, running.
0: Hi, I'm Tiffany gell I am a sociologist, so that means I'm kind of academic. I also run. I run a lot, and I live in Boston. And there's so much more I can say, but that's overall of kind of who I who I am and, and what I do. So combining sociology and running, yeah, we'll leave it there.
1: Well, we'll leave it there for the moment so I can jump in and say hi and welcome to another episode of Women's Running Stories. I am Sheree Louise Turner. I am your host and producer. And I want to make note here that the music that you are hearing is from Cormac O'Regan. He makes all the original music for this show, and he scores every single episode. And we are so happy that you're here. If you are a return listener, thank you for being here again. And if you're new, thank you for joining us. And welcome. In each episode we focus on one woman's running story and we dive into the ways that running is about so much more than running. We get into how running impacts us and also how we impact the running world. And for Tiffany, both of these things are true. Running has changed her life and in turn she's making change in the running world. And I'm going to let her tell you how all that happened, but Before that, I want to clarify a couple things. First, Tiffany mentions the BAA in her story. This is the Boston Athletic Association, and they are best known for putting on the Boston Marathon, although they do a lot more in the running world, especially in the Boston area. I also want to make sure that you're clear on Tiffany's field of study, sociology, which she also teaches. She is a professor of sociology at Salem State University. But she explained to me that a lot of people don't always totally understand what exactly she and her colleagues focus on. So I'm going to have her jump in and explain it.
0: Basically, what we do as a sociologist is study society. So it's looking at how we as individuals, our culture impacts like social structure and how social structure impacts us. My particular area of focus in sociology is looking at communities In this intersection of of race, gender, and class. So so basically I study people. People and culture.
1: All right, now on to Tiffany's story, which begins a little before Tiffany found her love of running in her late 30s. Tiffany's whole story is told in her own voice. Here's Tiffany Gail Chenault.
0: Running, why run? I never thought about running you know, I just thought it was stupid. Like, why are you running? Why are you running? It's hot. And running to me always seemed like such like a white space. And so, right. There's this difference of when I think of track and field, I think about, you know, black athletes and track and field people who do that. But in terms of long distance running, I mean, that was not even in my purview, not in my world and in my space. And I never thought about it, gave it any consideration, So I come from that place of like, why run? And it's not a space that I belong in. And it wasn't until when my mother had passed away from cancer and I was 37 that I came into running, but only because a friend had asked me. And so just to kind of go back a bit, when you think about like grieving and especially, you know, having this big loss, I was always a kind of social butterfly, kind of party girl. And so even though you go through this loss and you're you know, depressed and go through these emotions, I thought I couldn't grieve. So part of it is this stereotype of stigma being the strong black woman, right? You take care of everyone else. You can't show vulnerability. You can't show emotions. Um, and so I just kept going. Like, I didn't even grieve and I just kept functioning. And so to keep up, this persona um, of still being this social butterfly person, like I would just say yes, because in my head at the time, if I said no, then someone would think something was wrong, which yes, I lost my mother. <laughs> something was wrong, but I was just like, no, I'm going to, you know, just keep, keep going as is. And I always equate this to being like a functional alcoholic, right? Like you're in it and you don't realize like, You're not in a right headspace, but you just keep functioning. So I just kept functioning. I was functionally dysfunctional. And so um, part of that, a friend of mine asked me to join uh, at the um, Boston Seaport. It was the Harpoon Five Miler. And normally if I was in right mind, I would say, no, hell no. But the fact that she asked and I was in this grieving state of being functionally dysfunctional, I said, sure, yeah, sure. Not knowing anything about running, running culture, running spaces of like, how do you even do this? And so I, I trained and I'm air coding. you can't see, I'm air coding trained of like, I just walked a bit. I may have, I didn't even run a mile. Like I didn't even, I didn't run. I was just, I'm going to walk. I'm doing this thing. I, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. And when the day came for this race, again, keep in mind, I've never run like ever, just to see I think there's like five thousand people and it was a big scene. I'm like, oh my God, like why why am I here? And I thought about like I should leave. I'm like, I can't leave, but I should leave. I'm like, this is I mean it was scary and overwhelming. I'm like, I should not be in the space. I should not be in the space. And I'm like, uh, and I have a picture of me, um, I have my bib number it's like right underneath my neck oh it was it was a hot mess and so i'm like i guess i gotta stay because i told her i would do this and so the countdown of like you know five four three two one and the like gun kind of went off and people flew and i literally was like hot damn and i started running and at some point it was this huge hill and then as i'm like you know okay i'm gonna do this because i was determined like i gotta keep going and at some point, like, I felt something. And I always tell people, I don't know if it was like adrenaline or endorphins, but I actually like felt. And so going back to my mother passing away, my mom passed away in 2011. And this race was 2013. So it had been two years. And I, I guess I was numb, right? You don't realize that, again, you're just numb and functioning in the world. And I, I actually felt something. I felt alive in that moment. And that was an emotion that I hadn't felt since my mom had passed. And I'm like, huh, huh. And I, always, I equate this to like the weight of grief was on my spirit. I was on my soul. And so in that moment, something moved, something shifted. And so I eventually I finished and I'm just like, I did this thing. So this, this started the journey. So it was from that point when I kind of felt a little something, I was like, huh, that I started in my own neighborhood. I, that was kind of like the catalyst really. So in my own neighborhood, I started to just run, you know, no trainer not knowing anything and just kind of run in my neighborhood. And that allowed me to grieve. Like that was my time, like all like the grief that I, I kept to myself, like I would run in the morning and that was my time to kind of or talk to my mom or listen to music. Like, I that was my space and that was my outlet. And then from that it led to like looking around my space. This is where the sociologist kind of comes in. So I'm looking around my space and I'm wondering, you know, where are the other black women who run? Right? Like I know like it's not just me. I'm not the only one. And I'm noticing like I didn't see anyone in my space who looked like me who ran. And so I would run in different neighborhoods, just, you know, change of scenery. And again, my background is understanding like community and place. And I'm just always curious. So I would run in different neighborhoods and see a lot of people running, a lot of nice white folks running, but wouldn't see any black women or black men or other folks of color. So this kind of got me thinking and got me like my, my curiosity of like, huh, you know, cause Boston is this international running city, you know, Boston Marathon, but yet, you know, where is the diversity in this running space? And so this kind of led to the progression of understanding, well, do black women run? Where are they? Has there been research on it? And I started looking at like academic and kind of pop culture literature of like, has anyone studied this or talked about this? And surprisingly, there was an absence of this like in pop culture literature, in academic literature of like people who study running, look at running and, and all facets of it. And I'm like, oh. And so a lot of the times when people talk about a research running and running in women, it's always women, it's always white women. And I was like, huh. Or even when they do talk about or look at race and running, it's usually Black men are more specifically, let's say, African men right? And so this is where the intersection of race and gender come in. And I'm like, I'm questioning this. You know, I I, I was getting more curious and I was running more. I started to do some 5Ks and some 10Ks just uh, because I liked how I felt when I ran. Like I felt strong and it was just healing for me. And so I was just thinking, what is the experience of Black women who run? just that simple question of like I'm curious and I don't think I can get enough information in this space because New England overall right it's it's a white space and we can't you know deny that and then I thought well if I did more marathons or have marathons maybe I could find this out. And so this kind of, it kind of evolved into this. Well, if no one's doing this, I should do this. And I should probably run a half marathon every state because then I'll get more information and maybe network with other women who run and just kind of ask that question. And so that's how that evolved. So kind of a a timeline, because again, it wasn't like a quick overnight, like, Oh, this is what I'm going to do. So from 2011, Mom past 2013 was my first race uh, and then from there 2015 is when I started this running half marathon journey and I thought I was like this is so original oh my gosh I'm so innovative no one's on this I'm so special and as I'm learning about you know racing and running it's not unique because there are groups which I later found out who run like uh, a half marathon or even a marathon in every state like this wasn't original I'm like oh but what makes my journey original is just having this academic lens of looking at things a little differently in in the running space and asking kind of different questions as I run when I started I I didn't know what I was doing I was like uh When I tell people this story of, I just like, I'm just going to do this thing, take some notes and we'll see what happens. I didn't have a set plan. I didn't have a set, like, I'm going to talk to these women. I'm going to, you know, do this thing. I'm just, I'm just going to go and see what's out there and just take it from there. So the first states, the first seven states I did, it was all of New England and upstate um, New York. So you can drive everywhere. It's quick and easy. And it's what I thought, right? Predominantly white. Spaces, white races, saw a couple of African-American folks, took some notes, talked to them, like, fine. Like, this is what I thought. And I tell people it all changed when I hit New Jersey. So it was my state number eight, and it was the Trenton Double Cross Half Marathon. And in that race, it was about 2,000 people participating in that race. And in that race, there were 600 Black women runners. And I just want to emphasize that again, like 600 black women who are running in this race and I lost my shit. But that was for me, that was the moment of like, oh, okay, I get it now. And before this, I thought of myself as I'm someone who's researching running. I'm not a runner. And so I I did a marathon. I did the Flying Pig Marathon in 2015. And that's when I'm like, okay, it's time to put my thoughts into action. And that started the 50-state journey. But I didn't consider myself a runner. So it wasn't until State 8 in New Jersey, and I saw these women. And these women look like me, but yet they were different than me. They were all different body shapes and sizes and tones of brown and different hair textures and styles I'm like oh my gosh again coming from New England I'm like I was so very happy and I kept like talking to all of them at least as many people as I could of just like what's your story and what's your name and where you're from and and all the women like their journeys were all so very different but led them to running from uh, used to run uh, track when they were younger, but now they're older and the body can't take it. So they're doing you know recreational long distance running to there are other black women in my situation who had gone through some kind of loss, some kind of grief. Um, and they found running as an outlet, other women, you know, for health reasons or so doctors, like if you don't, you know, lose weight, or you're going to have to be on, you know, medicines for you know diabetes or for high blood pressure. And they're like, Oh no, 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 no. Um, to, Just like my experience, someone had asked, like, hey, you want to come run with me? Um, And they're like, all right, or just seeing other Black women run, they're like, ooh, I want to do that. So it's just like the whole spectrum, even women who were in the military, which are interesting, and they wanted to keep up like running um, after being in the military. So I mean, I'm like, wow, just all the things. And these women had flown in or driven in to run this race. So they weren't all from New Jersey. I mean, they were from um, like New York and Maryland. A bunch of women had flown up from Texas, I think from Dallas, um, from Chicago, and so I'm like, oh, so you also traveled to run as well? And okay, so it, I mean, I was just like, I got questions. This is great, and and that that for me is it's it's when it happened. That's for me when I'm like, okay, now I'm in this journey. I I call like the first seven states were just kind of a the precursor, like the trial and error. But New Jersey was like, oh. Okay, and that's when I learned about, you know, there's a difference between races where there are a lot of black people to, oh, these are like the black races. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy.
1: What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes.
0: call this kind of cultural capital in sociology of like I was learning kind of the the knowledge the skills the, the lingo from you know people who look like me of like this is this is how this works for us and so from that moment it was the uh, you know you you general society kind of kind of the dominant kind of white normative society of you may not see me as a runner Uh, because I don't fit that mode but oh I am I totally am and so I mean I can learn how to run I mean there are many groups you can belong to apps you can you can get things you can you know you can learn about how do you run that's fine but what makes this uniquely special was that as a black woman in this space it's different kind of cultural norms that I was learning and different kind of like this is how you navigate this space. So it's not just running, but it's how to navigate the running space as a black woman. And that was like, oh, got it. And just kind of getting that lesson. Yeah. It was just great. So I from that point on I knew even though I may be racist in spaces where I may not see people who look like me, other black women, being, you know, if I was in Idaho or Iowa, wherever. But I knew I was a part of the community. I knew we were there, even though, you know, there may be a race that I don't see us or maybe one of few of us, but I'm part of something bigger. And I think that that was the thing of like, oh, this is just great. And, you know, for me, we're all doing it. Well, I think most people are doing it, you know, cause it's a sense of strength, sense of accomplishment when you run and it just, I don't know, just makes me happy. But while I was doing this journey, I was, you know, 2015 to I guess it will be 2023 when I'm done. I know for a fact, subconsciously, I realized that when I go out to run, I I try to look like a runner. I, I didn't realize that. And I through my evolution of I'm like, oh my gosh, because it's a way to protect me. I mean, I want people like I I'm not a threat to you. And especially as I'm running in in different states that I don't know, different cities I don't know. I mean, this is, you know, in this era of, you know, Black Lives Matter, say her name, kind of Trump era, as I'm running in these spaces, being more mindful of how I'm perceived um, to others, which is crappy because it just can't be, I just put on a pair of shoes and I, I just go. Right. Like I have to think through these things and especially I think women in general have to think through these things in terms of safety and thinking about issues of kind of sexism in this space. But there's another layer of I don't want anyone to sexually assault or harass me, but then I don't want anyone to to say racist things to me or, you know, or see me as a threat in that way. So, right. So it's this extra level of awareness that I have to to be um, aware of when, when I when I go running. I didn't even think about those things, right? So all of this is like, oh wow, what I've noticed is that there is well one kind of body shaming, if you will. So there's this ideal body type of what a runner's body should look like, and so. I've had comments said to me about my body and while running, which I, so it's not just like everyone's done running or even before the race, but it's like, while running, you're going to actually make a comment to me, like, seriously. And so I've had comments to me about my body. So the stereotype of like, especially black bodies, right. Of like, oh, look, you know, you have such you know strong looking muscles and oh, your back looks really good. I'm like, what are you talking about? Are people will make comments uh, to me about, oh, I bet you're really fast. Like, you know, your calf muscles look, you know, like look like you can run really fast. I'm like, what, what, why are you talking to me about about my my body while I I run? So I've had body comments, and then I've had comments made to me about not only being fast, but asking if I had like. Kenyan blood in me so I'll give you an example I was in Utah and I ran this race finished it and you know everyone was like you know good job you know we did this thing and this guy was kind of hovering around me he's like good job I'm like thanks and he's like you're really fast I'm like well we're all fast we all finished I'm like great and he said to me and I quote wow I bet you have some Kenyan blood in you and I'm looking at him I'm like what the You know, but, but part of me, I had to think quickly and say, okay, I'm in this space. I'm in Utah. There are a lot of white folks around. I'm the only black person here. So I need to be mindful of what I say. And I just, you know, said to him, well, you know, if you think I run fast, I said, you know, I, I live in Boston and I, you know, training for a marathon. So I'm just like, ha ha. ha." But he just said it very nonchalantly and thought that he was giving me a compliment. And so I've had people, you know, perhaps not intentionally, but, you know, think that they're giving me a compliment and it's, it's not, you know, or even I, um, I was in, it was like Oklahoma and running a race and I'm there early and I'm, you know, I've got on my bib number, I mean, I look like a runner and I walked into one of the the corrals and one of the race manager people, organizers, said, "Oh, this is for runners. This is, a, a, you know, a, like a runner space." And I'm looking at me. I'm like, "Do I not? Do you not see my? Why, why do? You, why don't you think I'm?" And I said, "I'm here to to run." And then talking to other Black women, I mean, that's my particular focus. I mean, we're sharing, unfortunately, like war, war stories about, like, yeah, you know, this was said or you know, that happened. I'm like. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And this was all before, I think people became more attuned to this, all before Ahmaud Arbery in 2020 of this whole notion of kind of running while Black. And what does it mean, you know, for people to, you know, to think that you're not a runner or people, you know, think that you're a threat or think you don't belong in this space. So this was before all this. Cause this has been happening for for years. But I, again, as I'm new to the space and finding this information, I'm like, oh. And I mean, it's... It's no different than outside of the running space, unfortunately. Running is just a microcosm of society. So all the things that we are outside of running, so you think about, you know, our social identities around like race, gender, and class, our like maybe political, social ideologies, that is also happening in the running space as well. Because, you know, the isms, right, the sexism, classism, racism, that also happens in the running space, though maybe not intentional, but it is there. So there's all of these, these layers that I find interesting, or even the power of who creates races and where they are and what communities. So one of the races uh, locally here is the Road to Wellness 5K in Roxbury. And I love that race so much because it's in Roxbury, which is a predominantly African-American neighborhood. And it's beautiful. It's historic. But there's a stigma to Roxbury being kind of dangerous and all kind of negative stereotypes. And the fact that there's this 5K there there and brings people, you know, in this neighborhood so the community can see people who look like them who run. I mean, that's huge. And I think people don't think about even, you know, the creation of the races and the neighborhoods that they're in, like what message that sends to the people in the community. Are you know one of the things that I'm working with the BAA who do, do the Boston Marathon is that when you see all the banners in the in the city, Boston proper, like you the you know runners are coming, the marathon's coming, you know look to see who's on the banner. Number one, you know look to see who's there, but also number two, they only go in particular parts of the city. So not going to, like I say, Roxbury or Mattapan or even parts of Dorchester where there's more ethnic and racial diversity, right? It's only going to certain parts of the city. So that sends a message. So that, that invisibleness, I mean, that's, that's part of it. And so those cultural stereotypes just kind of manifest. Whereas, you know, I don't think I can do this or, you know, this is something, you know, white people do or is not for me that adds to it, you know, so it's this whole like systemic thing when we think about running, or even like just health. So if we saying we want a, you know, a healthier society, a healthier nation, and you know, recreational running is one way to do it in terms of physical activity, then what are we doing to support that to make sure all people have access? So there's all of these kind of layers, you know, in, in the running space that I, I find very fascinating. You know, running is definitely more than just running. So I think cancer has been a theme because so my mom passed away from, from cancer. And so my homage to her, really how this started, well, well definitely everything's because of my mother, but it's a way of, for me, of letting her know I'm still here because it was like, how do I honor my mother and myself and keep going? Because, you know, when you lose someone, my mother and I were so close of so just like, how do I move forward? I mean, I, I know I have to move forward, but how do I do it in, in a way that's productive and not negative? And so it was through this running where I'm like, you know, this is a gift I can give my mother. This is a gift I can give myself. So I always run on like her birthday, our Mother's Day, or her passing day to just say, this is the gift I can give to you and, and, and me. But at the same time, it's allowed me to have a sense of freedom. Because this is where I feel, like I said, kind of strong, have a better sense of myself and just let things go. And so, you know, for me, that's part of my running journey, but it wasn't until in 2020, right? So pandemic, when all of us just, the world stopped for a lot of us. And I found out that I had a uh, stage, stage zero breast cancer, but still cancer nonetheless, but it was there. They caught it early enough and I was like oh my gosh so i had already run like 40 something states it was state 46 state 46 was the last state before the pandemic and my plan was to finish off the rest of the states in 2020 but you know that didn't happen and so i'm like i don't you know kind of like you know what do you do now how do you go forward i'm like well i got to finish this thing and through my cancer diagnosis, I had a lumpectomy, then they had to do a reincision, and then um, I had radiation. So so I, I couldn't run for a while because you have to heal. And I realized that running had become such a part of my identity and who I am that to not run was just a disruption to me. So that just put things in a different perspective, too, of what does it mean if I can't run? And I realized that, you know, I miss it and I realized even more so how it is a part of me. As I go through this progression of when I started to where I am now, I think from the loss of my mom of being, I mean, I was damaged, I was damaged, I was just in such a bad place that starting this journey, I didn't realize that this journey is a, a lifesaver for me because I wonder if I never, if my friend never asked me to participate in that, that race, I wonder where I would be and I know for a fact I would not be in the, the same the same spot and I can like look back now and see how I was kind of like drowning right as I reflect back like I didn't even realize how much of a uh, depression I was in how much grief I was in until I started coming up for air and that running has kind of let me kind of come up for air but then some and I'm like if I didn't run what I have just drowned. Like, I I don't even know. I don't, I don't know. But, but now where I am right now on my state left, like, I just feel stronger, but I'm defining it differently than how I started off. So it's not about, you know, keeping, you know, not being vulnerable, kind of taking care of everyone. It's like, no, I am vulnerable. I, you know, let people know what I think and how I feel and it's okay to say no and I'm tired and I can't do it or to say, you know what, I need some help. And just kind of rethinking strength. And I feel more at peace, if that makes any kind of sense. Of like, I I put myself in uncomfortable positions, like running across the country solo in these crazy times as a black woman. It's not easy. And I am I'm always fearful, but there's a difference between having fear to motivate you or having fear cripple you. And so for me, part of the running journey is the making myself uncomfortable and it's okay. And um, to kind of work through my fear, Um, because people always say, you know, you're so brave or you're strong or I'm like, yeah, but there's fear involved too. And the fear has pushed me to, to do that. And it may not be perfect and it may be messy, but it's okay. And that I don't have to, sorry, I'm getting choked up, but you know, I don't have to live up to anyone else's standard but mine. So when we talk about like, how do you define a runner or what a runner looks like? Like my, my version of running is running and it's okay. And, and if it makes people uncomfortable or unhappy, not my, not my issue. So that's you know that's where I am now. We're kind of giving no no f's to give. Like I've carved out my space, and I'm happy with it.
1: Tiffany has defined her own space in the running community, and she's also working to help other women do the same. She is the co-ambassador for the Boston chapter of Black Girls Run, and she is also a member of the Boston Running Collaborative which the Boston Athletic Association created to sort of strengthen its focus on increasing diversity and access to the running community here in the Boston area. Tiffany also recently modeled for REI and was featured in their catalog. And as part of that, there was an accompanying article that featured her that was titled What a Runner Looks Like. And very excitingly, Tiffany is writing a book about her experiences running a half marathon in all 50 states. And of course, she's doing that through that dual lens of being a black woman runner herself and also as a sociologist who is focused on that intersection of race, gender and class. So I will keep you up to date on when that will be published and how you can get a hold of it when it comes out in the meantime, though, you can read Tiffany's blog. She is at cirun50.com, and that's 550, the numbers. And she shares a lot about her running journey there. And I want to thank Tiffany for sharing her story and especially for being open to talking about her grieving process and her cancer journey. These are really personal stories, and I recognize that sharing them in public isn't always the most comfortable thing for people to do. But I also know that they resonate with people, and Tiffany is certainly not alone. So the hope, of course, is that these stories resonate with other people and let them know that they're not alone and that they can get through these tough challenges. So thank you so much, Tiffany. And I also want to add that I have been wanting to have Tiffany on the show for a long time. I've had a chance to meet her in person. I've been following her story. And she just has the greatest smile. She is always such a joy to be around. And I'm just so thankful that she's part of the running community and for all the work that she's doing. And, of course, look to the show notes to find links on how to keep up with Tiffany, including a link to her Instagram account, There, in the notes, you will also find ways to keep up with us on social media. We are on Twitter at Women Run Stories. We're also on Instagram at Women's Running Stories. And we're on Facebook. Please join us. I encourage you to leave comments. I always love hearing from listeners. And thank you for being here. I say it every single episode because it's true. I really do love making these episodes. But the power of them comes from you listening, so thanks for being here. I would also really appreciate if you shared the show with friends and family who you think would enjoy these stories. That is how independent shows like ours grow, and I would really love for our show to get bigger. On the note of that, I am very excited to say that we are joining a network Together with Hear Her Sports and Keeping Track, which are two other women-led sports shows that focus on women athletes, we are joining the network Evergreen and we're just so excited. They're excited to help promote women's sports media and we're all excited to work together and grow and of course i do not create this show by myself like i mentioned up top Cormac O'Regan does all the original music and he does all the scoring for the show and he comes to you from cork ireland april mariner does all the design work for the show the website the merch the graphics on instagram she does it all and she comes to you from a very snowy truckee california you can find april at bonfirecollaborative.com and yes, I am Cherie Louise Turner. I'm your host and producer. I'm coming to you from my closet studio in Somerville, Massachusetts. And until next time, we all wish you joyful, healthy strides forward. Women's running running. Down.
0: There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former
1: CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview changemakers on their life lessons, legacy
0: and superpower of intuition, aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story.
1: Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube.
0: Join my tribe at com and follow me on Instagram at kanika Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you.